You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, and we're going to begin with what we just saw, which was the national championship game between LSU and Clemson. And then we'll get into uh, talking a little bit about... Um, uh, Kentucky's matchup with South Carolina, which comes on Wednesday, a 6.30 start. Kind of different, but I believe that's part of a doubleheader maybe is why they, they did that. Uh, you, you, well, before I get off on a tangent, that's, that's what's coming up. We'll, uh, we'll get into that uh, as we go on. But, yeah, LSU and Clemson uh, started off with a, a great game in that first half, and then I just heard a little bit of the postgame where Joe Burrow said, uh, and before I even say that, um, I was talking to somebody earlier today who is Derek Stingley's cousin, the freshman oh, wow. superstar cornerback uh, punt returner for LSU. Uh, he he works here in Lexington. He's a trainer. He's he's built you know even better than Derek Stingley maybe. But anyway, um, and so I was talking to him and he mentioned he said I think it'll be a good game in the first half and then LSU will pull away in the second half. And I said yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that makes me think about this is Brent Venables is so creative and such a good defensive mind uh, that, you know, I didn't think anybody could stop Lamar Jackson, and the Titans figured that out. And now with this, maybe they're going to have something for Joe Burrow. And, Joe and they Burrow, did. They yes, did early on, yeah. That's what he said. Burrow said, uh, once we figured out what they were doing and adjusted to it, we had a great game plan uh, that we, we came up with at halftime, and that was it. Um, and – LSU rolled in the second half, and I, I figured – I mean, I, I can't say that I saw the game going this way, but I, I just figured that LSU's overall talent of Burrow, uh, Chase, Jefferson, Moss, Edwards, Lair, that that would, would win the day, that that would just be better overall, just the better skilled players. And uh, and then just that, that feeling of destiny with this being in New yeah. Orleans and Ed Orgeron and an undefeated season and the Heisman Trophy winner – it just felt like to me LSU was going to win the game. Yeah, the, I I think LSU just put together one of the great seasons of all time. I think Joe Burrow individually did. I think them as a team, uh, they were unbelievable. When when you when you add Burrow in at quarterback with the running back they had with the the it just unbelievable wide receivers that they had. Jamar Chase had nine catches for 221 yards and dropped like a 30-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um Joe Burrow Heisman trophy winner uh did not, you know, some guys win the Heisman. Which, can, can we not agree that we should wait until after the season, like the actual season to pick the Heisman. I don't I don't understand why that would be so hard. Like vote on the Heisman after the playoffs over. Especially if they expand the playoff and you got like eight games. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes guys win it and they and they wet the bed. Uh, right. Jason White from Oklahoma comes to mind. I think he lost two games after he uh won the Heisman. Joe Burrow, not the case. He had a total of because he ran a little bit tonight, a total of five hundred and 21 yards and mm. six touchdowns, zero mm. interceptions. Um, and he was flummoxed for the first, like, two and a half drives, and then it was just 
darts from there on out. Just sixty touchdown darts. passes. Yeah, sixty for yeah, the season. New NCAA record holder. I mean, that's just remarkable to throw sixty touchdown passes in one season. He averaged for a fifteen game, fifteen and zero season. He averaged four touchdown passes a game. Now. Uh, he only threw six picks. <laughs> he threw sixty. He threw ten what? times. He threw ten times as many touchdowns as he threw interceptions. Six interceptions all season. Yes, sixty touchdowns and six interceptions. Good grief! <laughs> I didn't realize for, that he threw for fifty uh, six hundred yards. Fifty six hundred yards. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like, like, and and and. And also, he threw his completion percentage was uh, like seventy eight percent for the season. <laughs> I mean, huh. he's, he is an unbelievable player, and I we we I would otherwise say we should stop talking about LSU and Joe Burrow on a Kentucky podcast, except for there's a lot of Bengals fans who are also Kentucky fans, and mm-hmm. congr- congratulations to those of you who are listening, who are both, because Joe Burrow is the prize for your miserable season. And yeah. that's quite a prize. I think it's awesome he's going to be playing his pro football an hour away from here. I plan to go see him uh, a couple times next fall. I think he's a potential game changer for the Bengals. They need to get him some help. but Yeah. Well, speaking of game changer, let's carry this conversation over into the next segment and not about LSU, but about what a difference a quarterback can make and how that will relate to Kentucky's football season next season. And again, we will be talking about Kentucky's basketball game against South Carolina coming up uh, and giving you a little preview of South Carolina. That's ahead on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we were talking about just the amazing numbers that Joe Burrow put up. And when you think about LSU and what they were and what they have been and what they tried to transform themselves into was an open, more open offense, that that running the ball and playing good defense uh, after seeing what Alabama did, because that's follow the leader in the SEC West. Uh, And then I, on another tangent real quick, I don't know if you heard the comments by Nick Saban in the pregame where he was like, you know, I'm not really interested in talking about, um, I'm really tired of those questions uh, about LSU. I mean, they've had, they got a transfer quarterback that came in. They had one good season, beat us for the one time in seven years and, you know, good for them. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, and I'm not really interested in talking about Trevor Lawrence either. They beat us last year and don't get me started on Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> so Really? Yeah. He was wow. salty about that stuff. But, you know, as a competitor, you would expect that from him. Right. But, um, but, you know, to think of how they transformed what they were into what they want, wanted to be and what they became. And, and that all started with, Joe Burrow, because, you know, Jefferson and Chase and Moss are all great athletes, but they've had in the past, like DJ Shark and um, other really good receivers that weren't utilized that way because they didn't have the quarterback or the scheme uh, to play that way. And it's just how another example of how transformative a quarterback can be. And with Kentucky and Terry Wilson, you remember in the preseason, the talk was we're going to throw it 30 times a game. Uh, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but again, it was quarterback play that was transformative for Kentucky's season in a different way, running the ball. But if Terry Wilson 
can be a guy, um, and don't get it twisted. I am not comparing him to Joe Burrow in any way. He's not going to throw for 60 touchdowns and 5,600 yards. And But the idea that we're going to open up the offense a little bit more, and this is not uh, foreign to Eddie Grand. He did it at Cincinnati. I mean, they were one of the leaders in the country in offense uh, and moving the ball up and down the field and up-tempo and throwing it all over the place. So it's something – that Eddie Grant is familiar with and they would like to do. And, and Stoops has said he doesn't want to be one-dimensional. Now, Stoops at heart is obviously a run-the-ball, play-defense guy. But he sees it, too. I mean, he sees what LSU yeah. just did. He sees what uh, Alabama has done. Georgia is still, still like, back in that age of run-the-ball, play, good defense. They're still thinking that way. Dan Mullen's not going to totally be that way. They're going to open it up. Um, so if Terry Wilson can be, it seems like he has the potential to be, especially, um, after having that first year and then starting out the way he did last year before the injury and now having another year to kind of, you know, learn, I mean, there's a chance that he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC next season, because there's not really anybody there after, after Burrow is gone and two is gone. And Jake Fromm is gone. So he has a chance, and this Kentucky offense has a chance to open it up. But they, but I don't think they have the Jeffersons and Chases on the roster. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as important that they open it up necessarily as – to me, it's about the position. If you have a guy, whether he's good with his feet or he's great with his arm or he's a little bit of both, but he's a guy that has a lot of confidence and is a, can make a big play when you need a big play – the way that a team rallies around that. And we did see that with even a guy like Lynn Bowden, who was completely limited in what he could do in one area. It, it was just about the confidence he inspired in the rest of the team. I mean, he, he dragged them to what they became. I think he made other players better because they wanted to play for him and with yeah. him. Um, and so he said he won the team over in the spring. Yeah. And but, I, but what he showed in during, you know, workouts and, and extra work. Yeah, and I think Terry's one of those guys. I mean, Terry won him, led him to 10 wins. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy who the team would have gotten behind last year too, and they will get behind this year. I do think he's able to throw it a little bit. They were ready to throw it a little more. Um, but if it's not Terry, um, you know, if he's injured or, or gets injured again or isn't, just isn't back to being what he was, Maybe it's Bo Allen, you know, and obviously a, a true freshman is going to take some time. But I think in the big picture, there's a lot of hope that it could be Bo Allen. Um, as far as throwing the ball, Bo Allen's the answer. He's the He would be the better passer of the three, Joey Gatewood, right. Bo Allen, and Terry Wilson. His accuracy is definitely up there. They saw uh, that early in him. And that to me, like – Maybe he's the maybe that long term is is that transformational guy. In the short term, you know, it could be Terry. It could be a transfer like LSU. You know, enjoyed. Um, you know, and Joe Burrow. We should also mention wasn't great last year. He was like a good, solid quarterback. I think he threw like eighteen touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. No, you know, nobody saw this coming. Um, what he did this year. Uh, yeah, no, he threw sixteen touchdown passes last year. Um, through 58% completions, 2,800 yards, 15 touchdowns. So it was a, a nice year. Um, and, and so, you know, is Joey Gatewood a guy that, you know, 
two years from now is the guy who takes this team and puts him on his back. He's he's this big physical presence, right? He's like a yeah. Cam Newton sized guy. I would imagine right. would command some respect in the room and in the huddle. Um, and if he if he's a gamer, if he's a guy who even if it's with his legs can make make big plays and big moments, then teams rally around that. I, I just I do think it's so. The, the one position that can change everything for your football team is a quarterback. If you have the right guy there, even if it's not just skills, if it's personality wise, I think for Bowden, it was a lot of both because his personality really lent itself to people getting in line behind him. Yeah. Um, but, but Burrow, Burrow is just such a great example. He's an extreme example, but he's such a great example of like, you drop this guy in there into a program that for years people go, why are they not? dominating everybody because they're in the state where they just grow five-star freak athletes on trees. I mean, yeah. just, you know, you, you walk down the street and run into two, you know, high school All-American football players, and they have all this talent. You know, they every year they're producing a three or four NFL defensive backs and wide receivers. I mean, think about the wide receivers that have come through there and not had a decent quarterback really to throw it to them. Yeah, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, and all those guys, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry. Um, and, and and others before him. Uh, the kid that's at uh, Jacksonville now, um, uh, yeah, DJ Shark. Um, and so it was always like, and you know, tons of great players on defense and offensive linemen. Like, why is LSU not dominating? Well, they never had the quarterback, and you drop this quarterback in, who. I mean, how sick are you? As good as Justin Fields was this year, how sick are you if you're Ohio State knowing that you let Joe Burrow get away? Or Georgia, that you let Justin Fields get away. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if, if if those guys stay put, then, you know, it's probably Georgia and Ohio State playing for the national title tonight. Yeah. Um, or well, at, least, at least possibly. It was the same way with Georgia under Mark Rick. Like, you bump into five stars everywhere you go yeah. in the state of Georgia, and how are you not better? And Kirby Smart obviously came in and, and took it to another level. But, yeah, they – But he chose the wrong guy. He decided to go yeah. with the game manager at quarterback and not yeah. the potential game breaker in Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, that's a And lesson. it's because – that's because of the offensive, the offensive style that they yeah. wanted to run, and that's uh, what had happened at, at – at LSU is Steve Ensminger, Joe Brady. They bring them in, and they play to their talent. They, they recognize the talent, and they play to that. And that is something that Eddie Grant and Darren Henshaw have done at Kentucky is that when they recognize their strengths. When it was Drew Barker and he was healthy. They were going to throw it around. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, if Drew Barker doesn't hurt his back, they I think he throws for, you know, 3,500-plus yards. And right. They, you know, they might have lost more games because it puts you in some more danger, and he, he may have been a little bit of a gambler, but I think they would have been really fun to watch. I mean, they would have been the offense that people wanted to see. Um, I think it would have, in a weird way, been a shame, though, because I don't think we ever really know what Benny Snell's capable of if they don't have to go to the, you know, to, exactly. to grind it out. I mean, Benny Snell didn't even play in those first two games. No. It uh-uh. was going to be the Boom Williams, you know, home run, uh, a handful of home run plays and throw the ball 35 to 45 times a game. And we exactly. may have not, I mean, Benny might not have played at all as a freshman. And now, you know, they have, um, what are they going to do this year? Like, well, or this next season, uh, Terry Wilson, he's the first quarterback since Mike Hartline 
to complete 60% of his passes over a season with like a certain number of attempts. I think Maxwell Smith did it, but he didn't, you know, I think he had 200 attempts or something like that. But, uh, and you don't think about that. You didn't think about Terry Wilson as like super accurate, but that is important to be able to complete at least 60% of your passes. But then also you have coming back the three-headed monster in the backfield of A.J. Rose, Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, and then maybe add Travis Tisdale to that mix with his home run speed. So they're talented there, and then you've got an offensive line that is adept at run blocking, and they return almost everyone from that outside of uh, Logan Stenberg. So they're going to be strong up front again. It'll be uh, you know, kind of interesting and fun to watch to see how that develops and how they wind up playing and what the style becomes. But uh, for the future... Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Terry Wilson's going to be the quarterback, but for the future, that Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen situation to see how that that plays out, that'll also be interesting. I don't think they can keep them both necessarily uh, yeah. long term, especially if Gatewood becomes eligible uh, this season, which he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's a good problem to have compared to where they've been. The, yes. other thing, the only thing I wanted to say about Terry Wilson is I just I do think people have sort of fell asleep on Terry. Um, if you think about it, like in high school as a senior, he throws for 2,400 yards, he runs for 700 and has 36 touchdowns. He's recruited to Oregon uh, out of of high school. Um, You know, they, Scott Frost was at Oregon and that, that dynamic offense they had, they wanted Terry Wilson. Uh, He red shirts and ends up transferring to a junior college in junior college. He throws for 2,100 yards, runs for 500 yards, you know, has 30-some touchdowns and wins the his conference offensive player of the year in the most competitive uh, conference in junior college football. Um, and then he comes to Kentucky, and in year one, you know, he's wins 10 games. He has the game of his career at Florida, ends the streak at Florida, you know, has over 1,500 passing yards, over 500 rushing yards, Um you know, came up big in some some critical 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 moments and games. Um, lit up Louisville, lit up Florida. You know, and again, one t- was the quarterback on a team that won ten games for the first time in forty years at Kentucky. Kind of at every stop in these quick bursts, he's been either coveted or highly uh, perform at a high level. Um, so I, I just I think with a whole nother year to sort of mentally stay engaged in in the offense, uh, and if he's physically healthy, again Terry could be could have a monster season next year. Uh, well, I think it's going to depend uh, largely on what they have at receiver. I mean, do they have a Garrett Johnson, Juice Johnson? Do they have a Jeff Bidette? I mean, I would look for like Tay Tay Crooms out of Louisville, the the speedster. Uh, who redshirted this past season, would look for him to possibly emerge as a deep threat guy who could be like a Jeff Bidette. He's about the size of a Jeff Bidette. Uh, you know, Garrett Johnson was this, just this tough possession receiver, and he, he could he could burn you too. Uh, do they have that guy? I mean, you got Cleavan Thomas. Um, uh, Allen Daly Jr. is another guy. You, you don't have Ahmad Wagner, that big size uh, that, that can, you know, get those jump balls. Um Josh Ali, uh, who who was the young man that got injured this season? Isaiah Epps, yeah, yeah. who didn't didn't get to play. Uh, so I mean, those guys, some of those guys are going to have to emerge and show that they're playmakers 
in order for Kentucky to have the type of season and Terry Wilson to, to have a season like that, you know, throwing the ball. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, those guys were talented recruits that came here. They got a uh, – there was another big receiver that they got um, in recruiting as well. Maybe there's a freshman uh, that comes in and they're able to use there. So we'll see how it goes. But you don't have Lynn Bowden at receiver. You don't have a, right. a, a really proven commodity as a deep threat – um, because I think, the, I think the they, season wasn't that season that you could do that. There wasn't a there wasn't a way to have that this season. Yeah, I, I think they I think that they have to be real encouraged about Josh Ali, and he finished on a high note, obviously in the bowl game. I think they'll lean a lot on those tight ends. They have some great tight ends. They do. Uh, Brendan Bates. We didn't get to see a lot of his pass catching, uh, and Keaton Upshaw. Justin as well. Justin Rigg and Keaton yeah. Upshaw. I mean, they're all these tall, rangy, athletic. Uh, guys who, when they did early on in the season, get opportunities, made some some impressive catches. Um, I think they'll lean a lot on those guys, um, and then like a guy like Alan Daly, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got some guys with some speed. Cleavon Thomas, who he wasn't a senior, was he? Uh, I don't think he like was. He's been around forever, but he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, and he had a couple moments, caught one of Lynn's touchdown passes, I think. There was uh, another guy too that uh, he started in the spring game and then Bryce Oliver, up. yeah, yes, Bryce Oliver, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they they have some guys that I think they felt really good about before they had to just basically ground their passing game. Um, so there's not no options there. There's just not anybody that you look at and go for sure he's going to be a stud next year. Well, Ollie, the one thing besides him ending on a you know a high note uh, is that Lynn Bowden said he's the best route runner on the team. Well, so with that kind of experience, that counts for something. All right, so next we will get into the matchup with uh, South Carolina that Kentucky has coming up Wednesday night when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Let's get into uh, South Carolina-Kentucky game that comes up uh, Wednesday at 6.30. Um and uh, I believe, I haven't looked that up, but I believe it's part of a doubleheader that has uh, maybe Alabama hosting Auburn afterwards. So that'll be a fun game uh, after that. But you expect that South Carolina will, I forgot what my, I, I had a tangent that I was going to go on about that that 6.30 start time or something like that. <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say is it used to be uh, back in the, it wasn't too long ago, but like um, Tom Hammond and Larry, um, how is his name? I'm, I'm looking at his face. I can see his face. Do you know what I'm talking about? They were partners forever. On, Larry uh, Conley? Yes. Oh, they were partners yeah, sorry, forever. I was zoned on, out for a second. Yeah, the SEC game of the week was, it was Wednesday. Wednesday night was the SEC like game of the week weekday game that they would have like at uh, 8 o'clock every Wednesday that in Lexington, WKYT would cover. So WKYT would cover up their primetime CBS programming to take the Jefferson pilot or Raycom game of the week. And it was always Tom Hammond and Larry Conley. Um, So this, this kind of comes back to that a little bit for Kentucky to play on a Wednesday night, but I I totally expect South Carolina to, to muck it up. That's what Frank Martin's kind of known for is, you know, his defense and, um, and, and playing slow. I mean, their team right now is uh, averaging like, 68 points a game um and they they allow like 64 points a game or so where is they're it not here? very good 
yeah, they 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 score sixty eight points a game. Opponents score sixty five points a game. So the, I mean, defensively, they're okay. Yeah, they're thirtieth. Yeah. They're thirtieth in opposing effective field goal percentage. They rank uh, third in the SEC in field goal percentage defense. It's thirty eight percent. So twenty six twenty sixth in two point uh, percentage defense. Uh, they're 24th. third in steals in the conference. Yeah. Uh, second in turnover margin in the conference. Uh, second in turnovers forced in the conference. Yeah, uh, they have, there are a few things that they're pretty good. I mean, they're going to make it difficult defensively, but offensively they are an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, they are. They rank 336th in three-point percentage nationally, 343rd, and they shoot 61% at the free throw line. That is uh, awful. Yeah. They, uh, they, they're like – they're like a bad. They're like a the Calipari teams that drive people crazy. Gone, w- gone terribly wrong. Uh, they don't shoot many threes, and when they do take them, they they don't make them. Uh, <laughs> they they're three hundred thirtieth in the country in uh, three point per, three point attempts over field goal attempts. Like what percentage of their uh, attempts are from three? Uh, and only twenty nine percent of them are. They um, and some of those players like six for twenty seven. Eight for forty-one, thirteen of forty-four. Yeah, nineteen of fifty-one. Yeah, I mean those are the three point. They yeah. offensive rebound pretty good. They're they're top fifty in offensive rebound percentage. Um, that's about the only positive thing they have going uh, offensively. Um, so their their only chance, as you said, I think their only chance is really to just make it ugly, really defend. Uh, I just don't think they've got the guys to defend Kentucky though. Um, you know, they played Florida, which has uh, less talent than Kentucky, and is obviously playing worse, but but is a, like a pretty talented team, uh, and lost by thirteen at home. Uh, they played a Tennessee team that's basically having to reinvent itself completely. If you if you count the point guard that they lost this year, plus the four guys they lost last year, they lost the top five players off last year's team that was so good, uh, and did not replace them with comparable parts. Um, you look at AJ Lawson. He's you know, they're I guess he's their point guard, a sophomore. Uh, I mean, he's he's averaging he's their leading scorer. He's, he's a very good player. He's averaging fourteen and a half points a game. But look, his assists thirty six assists, thirty six turnovers. Yeah, yeah. He's probably having to do too much. I mean, I I will admit to you, I haven't watched him a ton, but I I would assume he's having to do too much with not a lot around him. Uh, I got some flack in the preseason when I when I ranked uh, like in the summertime when I ranked did an early ranking in the SEC about oh you can't count out Frank Martin teams like well you got to have some players he's got like one mm-hmm. player um, the best team that they've played Wichita State which by the way after a little little dip Wichita State is all the way back being really good again mm-hmm. um, but Wichita State on a neutral court beat South Carolina by twenty three. Um, so I, I just you know they lost to Boston University at home, which is 170th in the country. Um, they lost yeah. to 300. Uh, I don't know why I led with that one. They lost to 326th ranked Stetson at home by seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- this be- this is a game Kentucky's got to go win. Um, the problem the problem for this game with this game is one that they're going to try to they are going to try to you know, bully and bulldoze and probably make it ugly, which will be a, a miserable game for Kentucky to play in. But the other one is that they're instead of Tuesday, they're playing on Wednesday, and they're playing back-to-back road games. So they will get home after midnight, you know, it might be 2 o'clock in the morning, 
basically Thursday morning and turn right back around and have to fly to Arkansas uh, on Friday morning, uh, a day later. And I would assume John Calipari is not pleased about that, having back-to-back road games in a week where your, your early game Playing is, on a Wednesday. is Wednesday yeah. on the road. Um, and when the second game of that trip is so important. I mean, Arkansas is a critical game for Kentucky. We, I think we did, right. I think we did yeah, we mention this it. last mm-hmm. night, but the three straight road games, uh, Saturday road games, are, are basically they're, they have four opportunities against top 30 teams the whole rest of the season, and three of them are on the road on successive Saturdays. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that Arkansas game matters, and if you're just ground down to nothing going into that game, uh, I, would, I would imagine John Calipari's kind of pissed about it. Well, their post player, South Carolina's post player, is uh, Mike Coatsar from Estonia, six foot eleven, forty-seven fouls in fifteen games. So that's an average of more than three fouls a game. Uh, he only has blocked fourteen shots in fifteen games. He averages about almost eleven points, but you know only about six rebounds. So they're they're counting on other guys to pick up uh, the rebounding here and there. I mean, Kentucky with Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery and Keon Brooks and Nate Sestina. Uh, and maybe Khalil Whitney, but I mean, those guys should, and the way the guards have rebounded like Maxie and quickly and Hagens, I mean, those guys should be able to, uh, to win it on the glass and, and win it in the paint and not have to rely on, on outside shots and be able to drive to the basket. And it could be a, you know, could be that they shoot a lot of free throws in this game. And it's funny that Kentucky's three point, percentage and and volume of made shots has gone up at the same time their free throw makes have gone down and we were talking about how this team can't be this good of a free throw shooting team and be this poor of a three-point shooting team and as they've gotten better at hitting the threes they've gotten worse at hitting the free throw side it's yeah i think i think both those i think both those numbers are kind of just normalizing a little bit yeah they're they're Mm -hmm. probably not an 80 percent free throw shooting team but they're certainly not a 28 percent three-point team um how many fouls did you say for uh, coats are uh, 47 in 15 well, games. Nick Richards has 47. Uh, oh, is that well, right? Right on the Well, nose. and he's so always in foul trouble. Those yeah. two those two guys may just just actually square up and just have them fist fight at half court to decide the game <laughs> if it's close at the end. Uh, but this, but this might be a game where, you know, EJ, you got to answer the bell, man, cuz uh, you know, depending on which way it goes uh, in terms of who handles that physicality uh, or, you know, just Nick get another one of those games where he gets mad and starts pushing and shoving or gets into it with a guy. You know, if this guy decides, I'm going to I'm gonna get in Nick Richards' head, does he succeed? Um, you could easily see this being a game where Nick Richards has two fouls in, in 90 seconds. Um, and then, okay, you're up, EJ. You know, get, what, what can you give him? So. Well, Frank Martin's plan will no doubt have to do with getting those guys in foul trouble, but uh, Kentucky uh, talks, um, presumably Calipari. We don't know. No, it'll be um, an assistant coach. Will it be an assistant yeah. coach? So Tuesday. they talk it Tuesday at noon, uh, and Kyle will also talk to the players, and we'll discuss what uh, comes out of that on Wednesday morning's podcast uh, to preview more of this game against South Carolina. But that does it for us on this uh National Championship Night for LSU. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and um, and uh, rate my uh, Kentucky uh, Sports <laughs> Figure of the Year ballot that I so boldly decided to tweet out, not realizing how much 
response that would get, which I, it's just ridiculous. I thought maybe I would open myself up to a little bit of criticism, but not, not to the level of people just hatred for, you know, not picking this person from Northern Kentucky. That's what Twitter's for, man. From West, yeah, it is, Twitter's no for, doubt. Twitter's for hate. It is. All right. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter there and see all that stuff, at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>